All right. Uh, can we get an update on when she's coming in? Because she's sitting down now. Um, Bernie Sanders has just said that he has um, uh, the the main, the real enemy is the Democratic establishment. He was addressing a 3,000 strong crowd in Cedar Rapids on Saturday night. Which everybody's calling massive. They don't say that about Trump's 20,000 or 30,000 when he goes to these rallies. They just say those are zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was he had 3000, which is the biggest one in the Democrats. That's, that doesn't even compare to Barack Obama. Um, but uh, he was talking to the the uh, the party loyalists, or I should say the socialist loyalist. And he said the Democratic Party's upper echelons are trying to thwart his Democratic socialist agenda. Uh, he said, this is the political reality of the moment. We are taking on the entire political establishment, both the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, I don't think I don't think the Democrats know what they're dealing with with some of these people, um, because some of them really are revolutionaries. We have Tulsi Gabbard, who is joining us uh, now. Hello, Tulsi. How are you? Hi, good morning, Glenn. Good. Uh, How are you? Uh, very good. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I'm sure there's a little trepidation in this, a little perhaps uh concern and uh you shouldn't. Um I I respect you. Everybody on the show here respects you. We disagree with you, but uh we really feel you love your country. You have served the nation um I do. and you're you're a you're a solid citizen. So <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, okay. I want to I ask you, first of all, about the debate um, uh, that is happening this Friday. You are polling at 8%, and yet you haven't been invited uh, to be on this deba- debate stage. And Deval Patrick is polling at 2%, and he was invited. What's happening? You know, we've uh, put in calls and, and sent messages to CNN to ask them, exactly that question and have not gotten any kind of response. And to me, the, the biggest problem with all of this is CNN is, is making a choice to dishonor voters, both here in New Hampshire, who will be voting here in eight days, as well as voters across the country by barring them from being able to uh, be informed about the different leading candidates who are running running for president, hearing the voice and the message and the issues that I'm raising in this presidential campaign. So their their decision to exclude me from this is a disservice to New Hampshire voters, and it's something they're not very happy about. So um, I, I want to kind of get your opinion on where this is coming from. Bernie Sanders on Saturday said the target is not just the Republican establishment, um, but it is the Democratic establishment. He said that's a real enemy. They need to bump off because the the party is trying to kill this revolution of his. Would you agree with that as well with with you? Well, I'll tell you what, what I'm experiencing here. You know, I'm in New Hampshire. We are campaigning hard as we're heading towards Election Day here and Voters recognize that the political establishment in Washington, 
um, is not serving the people of this country. We have a, a Washington that is of, by, and for the powerful elite rather than of, by, and for the people. So in the town halls that we're holding every day across New Hampshire and some of the bigger towns and the very small towns, uh, districts that may be uh, red or blue or a mix or whatever it is, what, what we're seeing is we have Democrats, Republicans, independents, and libertarians all coming together having a respectful conversation because as you opened as you opened uh, our conversation today we respect each other we recognize that we are fellow americans and we care very much for our country's future and we see how the powerful elite in washington are not working for the best interest of the people and that the only way to change that is when we the people stand up work side by side and actually focus on putting country first, putting the people of this country first and actually get real solutions to the problems that we are facing. And that that's exactly what we're doing. So, Tulsi, there is I mean, listening to you speak, it sounds to me very familiar. It sounds like what Tea Party members were saying um, back under Obama. The establishment isn't listening. They're they're not responding to what the voters are asking for because i wanted hope and change too i wanted transparency i wanted a change to what what was happening um and nobody was listening at all on either side and those people were belittled which made them more angry um isn't this the same kind of feeling just with different end goals uh, one was a return to the Constitution, and in many cases with Sanders, it's, uh, you know, an end to the Constitution or uh, capitalism. Um, isn't it the same feeling, though? The sense of dissatisfaction, disenfranchisement, of, of being left behind, that our voices are not being heard, I think is something that has continuously been growing over quite some time, which points to the reality that, the problems in Washington are not being correctly identified. We go through these elections and it's like, you know, Democrats good, Republicans bad, Republicans good, Democrats bad. And it's this hyper partisanship about one party versus the other and each trying to either maintain or regain their power that leaves the American people and our voices behind. And this is why I think something that you're identifying maybe happened a while back. It's only continued uh, mm -hmm. to have grown, and mm -hmm. it is coming from across party lines. In our town halls, as we're talking about these issues every day, you know, everyone's nodding their heads and recognizing, yes, we need to fix this. We need to change this. We've got to stop seeing everything through a partisan lens yes. and actually just focus on the reality that so many American families are struggling and hurting and, and are are uh, angry that their government is not working for them. So how would you identify yourself as, I mean, you you endorsed Bernie Sanders, which made Hillary Clinton love you forever. Um, are, would you consider... <laughs> I have not gotten the love letter yet. <laughs> really? I, oh, I thought, no, I thought no, she loved had, you for has, that. I okay. move around a lot, so right. I, I don't know. Maybe I got lost. Well, she might, when she accepts the lawsuit and signs for the lawsuit you filed against her, maybe she'll give you the love letter in exchange for that. Um, but are you, would you, how would you classify yourself? And is Democratic Socialist, is that a danger, do you think, or is that a good thing? Is that uh, where the well, Democratic Party should go? First and foremost, as, as an American. Right, I know that. Uh, I love I love our country. 
and uh, I approach issues as I have throughout my time in Congress, as I do now, seeking to serve our country as President and Commander-in-Chief, really just focused on the substance of these issues, not, not uh, blindly placing myself or my thought process into one box because I'm a Democrat, but actually actively seeking ideas, perspectives, and solutions coming from across party lines because uh, this, this is reality. I'm, I'm a very practical and pragmatic person. I'm an independent-minded person, and I call things like I see it. I, I am just as willing uh, and able to call out my own party when they're wrong as well as when they're right as I am the Republican Party when they're wrong or when they're right. And it's this kind of uh, clarity in um, and putting country first that I think voters across this country uh, are demanding as we're seeing some of these changes continuing to occur uh, in, in this election. Um, let me just touch on the Hillary lawsuit. What are you hoping to achieve with that? I've had several people say you will have to prove damages. It's going to be almost impossible to prove the damages. So what are you what are you hoping to gain? Or, um, I will or leave the, the, the legal machinery to, to the attorneys, but I'll tell you for myself, um, some in the media are portraying this as, well, this is just another news story or this is just a media stunt, but they don't understand that this is about my life. You know, I've dedicated my entire adult life to serving our country. Uh, after the attacks on 9-11, like so many Americans, I made that decision to... Uh, to, to serve and to, to, to protect the safety, security, and freedom of the American people and being willing to put my life on the line to do so. I'm still serving in the Army National Guard now. I've deployed twice to the Middle East, and of course I'm still serving in Congress now, seven going on eight years. And so for Hillary Clinton and her powerful allies in Washington to uh, essentially try to uh, portray me as, as a traitor to the country that I love, it takes away the very essence of who I am, yeah. the oath of loyalty that I have taken to the country that I love. I mean, somebody and, like somebody. And so this is a serious thing. Yeah. Somebody like Hillary Clinton saying that you're a Russian asset uh, has got to make an impact on you, your career, but also personally, uh, just very much so. I, I Very much so. And, and personally for myself, but I, I'm actually thinking of the amazing patriots who I've served with, people who have also dedicated their lives, literally their lives, willing to sacrifice everything in service to our country. This is what defines us. And so for her and her powerful allies to so completely devalue that honor, that loyalty, that sacrifice and service to our country it cannot go unchecked, and is, this is why I'm filing this lawsuit. Is this just an old beef because of the Bernie Sanders endorsement, or is there something deeper there, do you think? Uh, this is something that, that only she can answer. Uh, I think, from my perspective, I see two things that seem to be very clear. Number one is that, that she hasn't let go of the fact that I resigned as vice chair of the DNC to endorse Bernie Sanders very specifically for one reason— uh, the, the vast difference in Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton's foreign policy and, and worldview, yeah. what kind of commander in chief they would be. Bernie, largely non-interventionist. Hillary Clinton, extremely interventionist and, and a neolib war hawk. 
And consistently, the second thing is that, that throughout my time in Congress, I have been speaking out strongly against the very foreign policy legacy that she represents of being yes. the world's police, waging regime change wars in other countries that have not made us any safer and that have cost us tremendously the lives of my brothers and sisters in uniform, as well as every American in taxpayer dollars, dollars that are coming out of you know, our schools, our classrooms, coming out of our infrastructure needs in our communities, going as they are now in Afghanistan, $4 billion every month, $4 billion every month. That's $5.5 million per hour. And I hear from people every day who question, my gosh, those resources could be going towards opioid recovery and helping those who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction here in New Hampshire and across the country. 130 Americans dying every day from this opioid epidemic. So this cost is, is very real. And, and I, I see how Hillary Clinton and her, and her powerful allies uh, are sending a message through what they are doing to me to say, if you dare cross us, we will come after you. Um, I will tell you that I think your foreign policy is actually has more in common now with this new Republican. Uh, I shouldn't say Republican, new uh, conservative uh, viewpoint on let's bring people home. This is enough is a, is is enough. Uh, and we we keep making yeah. the same mistake over and over. Let me break for 10 seconds station ID and back with Tulsi Gabbard. With uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is up in New Hampshire, she's running for president uh, of the United States in the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with her. She's running at 8% uh, in uh, New Hampshire. She qualifies for the CNN debate. She can't get an answer on why she wasn't asked to intend, but instead Deval Patrick was, and he's running at uh, 2%. Um, Tulsi... um, we're up against uh, impeachment now. We haven't heard from witnesses. I think legally it was the right call. If I'm the president's attorney, you won the case, end it. Politically, I think we should have heard from witnesses, and I would have liked to. Um, let's say they vote on Wednesday to acquit, which I think they will. Should there be, should the House go into John Bolton? Should we hear from the Bidens? Should we investigate any of this stuff? Or is it time just to walk away from this? I've, I've spoken a lot about this and just pointed out from shortly, how, how shortly after uh, Donald Trump was elected, there were immediately members of my party who were who were pushing for impeachment, largely because of political differences, not willing to accept the outcome of the election, policy differences, uh, and and their criticisms of Donald Trump. Uh, and, and I've spoken about how dangerous it is to uh, have this process be driven in a very hyper-partisan way, frankly, on both sides, and how not doing so in an objective way really only further divides an already divided country. Uh, it's why I made a very conscious decision uh, to vote present when that those those votes came before the House of Representatives to take a stand for the center against this hyperpartisanship in Washington, while also introducing a censure resolution that actually included many more of the uh, uh, unconstitutional actions that President Trump has taken, and frankly, something that I think would have been more likely to gain bipartisan support. What I'm hearing from people... 
Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, we're up against the network break. Unless you care to stay longer, we'd love to have you longer. Um, how can people get involved uh, I, your campaign? Thank you. Tulsi2020.com. I look forward. I'm the best Democrat, best candidate to be able to defeat Trump in November of 2020. Uh, appreciate you all, people from all party lines, uh, coming and joining us in our people-powered movement. Thank you so much. Tulsi Gabbard. listening to Glenn Beck. Hello, America. It's uh, Monday, day of the Iowa caucus. Tomorrow is the State of the Union. I will be in Washington, D.C. in uh, the... Uh, in the Senate chamber for that um, for that uh, speech, or is it the House? You're going to miss it then because it's, it's in the House, house. chamber. I'm yeah. going to be in the House chamber uh, <laughs> watching that. You see so much that television just doesn't show you. I don't watch mm-hmm. the president. I'm I'm watching all the people and the the floor show. It's pretty amazing. Um, it's going to be a historic speech because the next day he goes in for the vote to either acquit or to uh, convict for his impeachment. So it's kind of a busy week, politically speaking. Then on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, a free special. We're making it available for everyone. Look for the Blaze YouTube channel and make sure you're watching the live special 8 p.m. on Thursday. It's the final piece, the Ukraine, the final piece, the billion-dollar question. And we have the answer for you. Um, And it has nothing to do with really the impeachment of Trump, although it makes sense fully now. The impeachment of Trump has very little to do with the Bidens uh, or any of the stuff that we have talked about. The final piece is much bigger than that. Uh, And quite honestly, I think it's going to shock Democrats. It will make total sense. No denying it. And I think the anybody who voted for Barack Obama is going to be disgusted by what this story is really all about. That is Thursday, Ukraine, the final piece, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, let me go back now to Iowa, which happens today. One of the people that really had their finger on the pulse uh, during the 2016 election was Selena Zito because she is a reporter that doesn't listen necessarily to all the other reporters She's listening to the people and she she travels by car and she stops in diners and she's actually listening. I wanted to get her view on what's happening in Iowa uh, today. Selena, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to tell you, you're absolutely right. When you watch the State of the Union address, no matter who the president is, and watching it in, in, in the House chamber and, and if you're watching it from the gallery, it's just a fascinating moment of human behavior. It really is. You, I, you see, yeah. you, you see what that president is dealing with, and you yeah. see the little clicks, and the, it's amazing. The people should, you should have another camera just on the House and the Senate uh, because you learn an awful lot. Anyway, absolutely, absolutely correct. Okay, so Selena, tell me what you think is going on uh, today um, in in Iowa. What what are you sensing is we're going to be talking about tomorrow at this point? I think tomorrow at this point we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders, uh, and and I think he has a high probability of winning this uh, the caucus, and here's why. 
you know, in 2004, when we were heading into the caucus, everyone was like, Howard Dean, Howard Dean, Howard Dean. Uh, but what they missed, and I remember writing this, um, or saying this, I can't remember, it feels like 5,000 years ago, right? <laughs> but I remember noticing that they didn't have the ground support that is necessary to get the voters out to caucus. Because if anybody knows anything about how you caucus, it's an investment of your personal time. time. And I don't mean like 15 minutes, you know, waiting in line and, and, and going to the ballot box. I'm talking about three to four hours at night. It's usually cold. It's almost always snowing. And you have to really put it out there in terms of who you are supporting. Everyone in your precinct knows who you supported. And if that person does not miss, hit that threshold, then there's some bartering that goes on. Right. And, and it's really sort of fascinating. But Bernie has done, and I think this has been underreported, his, his campaign team has done an incredible job of getting really good people, people trusted in their community to get voters out. And that's how you win a caucus. Right. And um, that when you are when you're searching for a candidate, which it seems many of the Iowans are, they're not satisfied with any of them. They've been looking for somebody that that they think could win. They don't they don't have a consensus on this. They keep going back and forth. It's like going to buy a pair of shoes with a woman in a store. They're trying on every <laughs> single pair, and, and they're going to walk away with none of them in the end. Um, that's the way this kind of feels. Uh, and the only one that has true, true, deep support, I think, are Yang and Sanders. Yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, Yang is this really sort of, once-in-a-lifetime interesting uh, candidate for the Democratic Party. He's young. He's uh, he's funny. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his politics are are um, are are a real mixed bag. Yeah, I was going to say it's left. kind of yeah, very left yeah, and left. and right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, he's like he's like a buffet of, of choices, all in one candidate. And he, well, the thing that he has that none of the other ones have is he's very aspirational. That is that thing that's, that, that Barack Obama had in 2008 that made things click. Pete Buttigieg has tried to project that, but he doesn't has not done that effectively because I think in the way that he has handled religion – has been negative because he pits different denominations against each other. Christians don't like that at all. So um, what is what is your thought on, we have Steve Dace coming up, who is really good on the, uh, the Iowa caucus, and he's, he's uh, you know, a political player that's been on the, the uh, looking at this and on the inside for, you know, 20 years. And he said he thinks there's a chance we go to a, a brokered convention because the Bernie people, he thinks, will win in Iowa, then in New Hampshire and in Arizona. Maybe Biden wins in South Carolina, but then Bernie is really kind of on this this role. Um, right. Uh, but whether he can get enough, you know, enough delegates uh, to win we may be entering a, a brokered convention. How likely do you think that is? So he's not 
wrong. You know, every four years, um, uh, the reporters love to throw that out and say, oh, well, this could happen. Actually, this is the year that it could happen. This is actually the year that could happen. And, and I see a similar scenario. I see the possibility of burning, Bernie winning Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. You know, people always talk about Nevada as being uh, about um, Hispanic voters. It's not about Hispanic voters. It's about union voters. Yes. Uh, people always miss that. Yes. And these are the to-the-left unions. These aren't the sort of energy unions that you find out here in western Pennsylvania or Ohio or Co- Colorado or Texas. And so uh, I think there's – I could see a scenario where, where Biden – or where, where Bernie wins Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada. And the, because the race goes to South Carolina, Biden will still win South Carolina, but not at all as strong as, as people anticipated. And I can see Lou, Bloomberg saying, you know what, it's time for me to step in. I can do this. And that's when everything just sort of blows up. Uh, the, the Democratic establishment and the media do not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. They just don't. He's not been part of their team. He doesn't listen in the way that other candidates, they would anticipate other candidates or nominees to listen, and he's not part of the club. And, uh, and, isn't, and that, so going to do it <laughs> isn't that a reason for those on the left to vote for him even more? Doesn't that make their case stronger? Uh, Every, exactly. Right. I mean, They're, they learn nothing from 2016. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, it's the establishment class, the chattering class, the yeah. Democrats and the media sort of conglomerate that that sort of have been the ones that have not understood 2016, not just because of Trump, but also because of Bernie. And I always think it's sort of fascinating, even among establishment Republicans, that none of these um, political parties have said, oh, dear God. They picked him. Maybe we we must have been really bad. Let's be reflective about that. Yeah, no, no they don't no. do that. Let's just make fun of those people. They're dumb. Yeah. So um, if Bernie does take off, doesn't that I mean, because Bernie is the closest thing to Donald Trump that that side has. I mean, I just saw him on TV just a few minutes ago on the, one of the news channels. And I'm like, look at him. There's no way this guy could win. Just look at him. He's 78 years old. He looks angry. He's kind of mean. Um, he's just not a politician um, in, in the traditional sense. And then I thought that's exactly what people said. And I said to, to, about Donald Trump and look where he is now. Yeah, I think that what people what, what people within the establishment um, and, and or, or not part of the movement don't understand about populism is that uh, populism today is the more uh, uh, um, skepticism about all things big. That includes government. That includes politics. That includes media. That includes entertainment. They haven't sort of understood, have grasped and or understood uh, what they have done how they have failed over these past 30 years, and they have created what has happened within both parties. Also, um, technology really, really um, has added to that because in our daily lives, think about this. We have removed the curators from our lives. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Think about Sears. When we used to shop, Sears picked everything. 
If you wanted to buy an appliance, it was Kenmore. If you wanted to buy tools, it was Craftsman. We let some dude in Sears Tower decide what to do. Well, why why didn't anybody think that politics wasn't going to fall in the same way? Right. Now the biggest department store in this country is Amazon. We have blown up. Technology has essentially blown up these large political parties. They're still going to exist, but they don't have the power in, that they used to have. Selena, let me switch topics and sides um, quickly because I've only got about a minute and a half. Uh, the ramifications of impeachment, how is this going to play out? It's not going to impact anything at all. If anything, as story just now out of Wisconsin, if anything, it has made people more less likely to vote Democrat because they see this as a political maneuver and more likely to at least consider Trump or not show up to vote at all. Wow. And that is a problem for the for the Democratic Party. And they don't understand it and they don't realize it. And every time I write this, a story like this and do this reporting, they make fun of it. But they're missing it again as they missed it in 2016. Do you believe that uh, the Sanders people, the, the real radicals that are in his, his followers, that there could be trouble in uh, Wisconsin this summer if they don't give it to him? Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think there's going to be some sort of, prob- you know, problems. How extreme those problems get um, just depends on who gets attracted to them. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, there is certainly a lot of p- potent p- potential for that to become a problem. All right. Selena, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again um, if you're available. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some analysis from you again tomorrow. Thank you so much. Selena Zito. Uh, you can uh, follow her on Twitter at Selena Zito, Z-I-T-O. Um, our sponsor, Relief Factor. Welcome to the uh, program. Congratulations to the uh, Chiefs last night in the Super Bowl. It was actually a very exciting game. I watch it usually for the commercials because the games are so boring. That was a great, <laughs> great game. Just a great game. Yeah, it was. And um, it's nice to see the Chiefs win. Yeah, um, and there and was Andy a Reed. there were a few there were a few good ads last night. I, I I didn't think it was a great year for it. No, it hadn't been a great year for a while. Not for a long time. Yeah. Maybe twenty years. Yeah. Uh, or twenty five. What do you? What do you? What? What? Like what stuck out to you? Well, I liked I liked the Reese's ad, uh, but I I also liked. Uh, do we have the Amazon ad um, with uh, oh. Ellen DeGeneres? Yeah, I saw yeah. the end of this. That's pretty good. Okay, let's go let's ahead. play that. Baby, coming. Alexa, turn down the thermostat. Okay, turning down thermostat. Ready? Huh. Here we go. What do you think people did before Alexa? <laughs> Alexa. Turn the temperature down two degrees. Yeah, she takes a log out of the fire and throws it out the window. <laughs> Alexa, tell me a joke. Jokes. Um, Jester. God, you think I know lies? Look at me. <laughs> Next. News. Get your news here. Alex, what's today's news? Doesn't matter. It's all fake. <laughs> 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 Playing a jug. Next song. (laughs) Alexi, tell me something interesting. Okay. The earth is flat. 
And a witch stole his pants. <laughs> oh. Alexis, send this message to Prince Constantine. And a little bird. This one's fun. Gets eaten by a hog, which also gets eaten by a dragon. <laughs> Alicia, remind me to delete those tapes. Yes, Mr. President. <laughs> she doesn't do it. I delete. Yeah, I don't know what people did before Alexa. Yeah, it's good Alexa, stuff. play my favorite song. Love the fact that. Uh, yeah. I love the fact that uh, 